0: When I was at MSU, where Jesus went to school, I uh, worked with a football team for, gosh, eight or nine years, whenever Coach D'Antonio first got there, until about 2014. And uh, we prayed together every day. He wanted uh, communion service, uh, the whole thing. And we got close. And and I remember uh, at one point, setting it in my mind, I'm going to make him laugh out loud, right? It's kind of a serious guy. He enjoys a good chuckle, but I thought, I- I'm going to get a belly laugh out of him, or I'm going to die in the process. And uh, it happened. I don't want to brag. But we were walking, uh, and we were walking together, and it was kind of funny. We were praying uh, rosary when all of a sudden, and it was just like a cartoon Literally, all these photographers who had been sitting over here saw him and jumped up and just started, they jumped right in front of us and started taking all these pictures. And I turned to him, dead serious, and I says, I'm sorry, bro, this happens to me everywhere. I, yeah, and I got him. I got him. I have a picture of that laugh. Uh. Jesus, for us, is super recognizable. If you look at a picture, he's the guy with the round thing, glowy, around his head, yeah? He generally looks cleaner than everybody else. Um, he's pretty cut. Uh, he's always easy for us to pick out, because we know the end of the story. We, we know who he is. But I, I wonder if we think about what an un, insane thing it was. For Peter to look at a guy who looked like him, who smelled like him, who had the same accent. It even says that in Scripture. Somebody said he's got a Galilean accent. I don't know what that means, but he had it. He dressed like them. There was no helpful finger, right? For him to look at that guy who had done nothing that you or I would consider powerful, he hadn't crushed his enemies. He hadn't uh, got in the Romans' face. And just at this point, look at where he is. This is Mark 8. He just had been teaching. And what did he say? Well, you're the Christ. That's really an incredible thing. And Mark cuts out this part because he figures you know the story quite literally. But Jesus says this to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for mere flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My Father in heaven revealed it to you." And because of this, your rock, he changed his name. His name was Simon, which means a small stone, to Peter, which means a rock. And I'll build my rock on this church. I'll build my church on this rock. That'd be weird if Jesus, (laughs) there would be some crushing. Uh, I'll build my church on this rock and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. It really is an incredible thing that Peter did. And I hope we take that challenge and quite literally pray for God to heal our vision so that we see him properly. So that we see him in the person who looks like us, smells like us, has our Michigan accent I don't even know what that is but I've been told we have one it really is a powerful thing that we forget that Christ is present in each of us and that that requires from us a form of reverence to each other an understanding of the dignity of every person we come in contact with even if we don't agree with them, even if they smell bad, or if they're broken in some way that makes us uncomfortable, can we still see in them Christ, an anointed one? It's more than a cute challenge. It can be transformative because that's not how people around you see each other. They see a commodity, someone who they can get work out of. They might see you as an opponent because you dare to disagree with them. That must mean you're either a fascist or a socialist or whatever labels we're slapping on our opponents now. So much of what's wrong in our world is a sort of reduction of every human being who lives and breathes And we reduce them to what? How do you affect me? That's called narcissism. And that leads right to hell. You don't exist for me, and I I don't exist for you. We exist for God. And if we allow Jesus to heal our vision, we'll see that. And how will we know? Well, James was fairly to partly cloudy clear, wasn't he, in our second reading, huh? He says, you have faith, but you don't have works, you've got nothing. It should pour out in how we talk to each other, talk about each other, easy. How we, that was funny, how we serve, how we allow Jesus to either transform our politics or we bend Jesus to fit our politics. Those are our two choices. It should absolutely change us when we recognize that Jesus is present in a beautiful way. When we do that, it changes us. And in the Scripture, this is a constant pattern, right? God always changes the name of a person when he sends them on a unique mission. This happens, as far as I can remember, six times in the Old Testament and a few times in the New. Right? Remember um, Jacob? He wrestled with God. So what did God change his name to? Israel, wrestles with God. And then he sent him out to establish the nation. We could go on and on with this and I really want to, but I won't. But here's the key. Once Peter's eyes were healed to see the presence of God, Jesus gave him a mission. A mission that would be what? The foundation of the church. The foundation of the church is an understanding of the reverence that we owe Jesus and the presence of Jesus in each other. That's the foundation. Now, Peter does what any one of us would do. Uh, He hits a home run and then he doesn't show up to the next at-bat, right? That the very next verse, you know, Peter's walking around. Hey, fellas, I'm rock now, just so you know. Yeah, (laughs) probably got himself a jacket, you know. Uh, How you doing? I'm rock. I would do it all the time. I would be in trouble. But he doesn't even get the jacket warm when Jesus tells him, well, this is what God's going to do. God's going to do this. And Peter's like, oh, let's not Right? And and you and I would do this. I always say this, but it is true. Can you imagine? You, you you're talking to God, and he says, We're gonna go to downtown Flint and I'm gonna be tortured and killed. Lord Fetton's right over there, you know. Let's go that way. Let's avoid suffering, let's avoid death. Peter goes from using God's divine wisdom to what does Jesus say? you're not thinking like God, you're thinking like a human. That for you and I who see the presence of God in each other, and who recognize the presence of the Lord in us, our response, it can't be power-oriented. Because he's not. And that really is where Catholicism gets bent so wickedly. We want to win. Christianity needs to triumph. Well, that's triumph for us. God dead on a cross is our moment of that's victory. That if you and I recognize Christ and we want to live for Christ, it doesn't mean we grab power. It means we put it down. It means we make our existence about others instead of making their existence about us. It means that the poor and the vulnerable don't get our extras. It means they get our essentials. It means that the vulnerable don't get our votes and our posts on Facebook. They get our sweat and our blood. To think like a human in this case would be to try to win. To think like God in this case means to set out to serve, to bleed, to die. Yesterday was the anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks, yeah? And I'm not sure if you saw, I I put this up on the whatever the internet thing is, but the first victim and not the first person to die but they have a way they number the fatalities. The first person they identified as dead from the attacks was a Catholic priest. His name was Father Michael Judge. He was a chaplain for the fire department. And when he saw the first plane hit, he put on his, he had his cassock on and he put his helmet on and, and he ran into the first building and started praying with people. They're not sure how many. Uh, The testimony was somewhere between 15 and 20 people he gave absolution to and last rites. And the last words they heard him crying out to God were Jesus, stop this. Stop this now. He was killed when the building collapsed, and he died serving, he died praying. He died loving. There's a street named after him now, right over by where the World Trade Center used to be. In the church where they laid his broken body, they laid it right on the altar of the church. That church has a statue and a reminder. We don't remember Father Judge because he was powerful. We remember him because he sacrificed. And because like Jesus in the crib, like Jesus on the cross, like Jesus in the Eucharist, our greatness is in becoming small. Not in becoming big and mighty, but in becoming powerless, in sacrificing, in giving till there's nothing left but Christ. I invite each of us uh, today, and theoretically every day of our lives, to ask when that person irritates us, in our hearts to ask, can I see Christ there? If not, it's my fault. To ask when we see the vulnerable and the broken, can I see Christ there? If not, it's my fault, heal my vision. And in that opening of our eyes, can we recognize that the way we define power gets people killed? The way we define power crushes people's dignity and soul because we have to win. But the way God does power, it looks like a man on a cross bleeding and dying. And 2,000 years later, we still call him God. So, Jesus, heal our vision, huh? Jesus, make us holy. To be holy means set apart and different. And if we do love like Jesus does loves, we will be different. Amen? Amen. Okay.